There's a saying amongst miners that if it can't be grown, it must be mined. And this is absolutely true for the metals and the materials that we need for modern lifestyles. Demand for metals, for all kinds of metals, is rising very strongly. Simply because economies are reopening from the nadir of COVID-19. That really boosts demand for all sorts of things. Your household stuff, your refrigerators, including big things like if we are building a new bridge or building a new highway, they all need metals. So demand for metals is really rising strongly. Nickel mining in particular has been increasing in demand since the early 2000s, largely due to China's economic boom. And the rise of electric vehicles means nickel consumption is only set to grow. Meeting demand for nickel means that nickel mining needs to upscale in many countries around the world. And that means expanding nickel mines using traditional methods of strip mining, which will have an effect environmentally. And so with increasing demand comes greater responsibility to minimize the damage caused by mining and to search for sustainable options. For the past 30 years, researchers worldwide have been pursuing a more radical and eco-friendly technology called agri-mining, also known as phyto-mining. Growing crops of plants that absorb and store metal from the soil that can then be harvested. We have already worked with zinc, with uh, rare earth elements, which are very important for recent technologies. And it's also possible to recover cobalt from this technology. But despite the success of this research, does agro-mining stand a chance against the massive scale of conventional mining? And can it convince a legacy industry to change its ways? I think they are committed. I think they have really good intentions to mine their um, products in a sustainable way. But ultimately, I think mining is a dirty business. Welcome to Money Is Not Evil podcast, the show where you will be inspired to change your life. While mining is necessary and has many positive benefits, must say that, it does have many negative aspects and especially the impacts on the environment. Mine wastes are large sort of volume of waste material generated by mining. And these can be in liquid form and they can contain very acidic waters that contain a lot of metals and metalloids that are toxic. And so when those get out into the water environment, they can contaminate land and water, kill plants, reduce biodiversity. Mining is also responsible for air pollution from the dust generated during extraction and the roasting and burning of ores, which can lead to acid rain as well as contribute to emissions. Surface mining also causes deforestation as trees are cleared to make space for mining sites. Nickel mining in particular presents problems due to its emissions, to the extent that in 2020, Elon Musk put out a call for ways to meet nickel demand sustainably. You may think steel is the most polluting metal uh, when it comes to CO2 emission, but actually nickel has the highest CO2 emission intensity of all metals. CO2 emissions per tonne of metal for the nickel production on average is about 18 tonnes of CO2 per tonne of metal. Nickel processing, smelting and refining also has the highest CO2 emissions of mined metals. 
I would say probably the actual extraction of minerals and metals and materials does the most damage. If you have a deposit that maybe contains 1% copper these days, that means 90% is, is waste material. And so you have to clear that to get to the 1% copper that you need. So it's probably the extraction phase that generates the most damage and the most waste, which therefore needs to be managed. The mining industry is estimated to make up 4 to 7% of greenhouse gas emissions worldwide. But mining companies are facing increased scrutiny from investors and regulators who want them to pay attention to environmental issues and commit to carbon reduction targets. The nickel industry is making improvements to make mining more environmentally friendly. For example, some plants have been using renewable energy hybrid systems as a fuel source. And Indonesia, they are the largest producer in the world. They also set up emission targets for the next decade. But the industry as a whole is slow compared to other industries. But the global demand for metals needed by modern society means destructive mining practices will continue, if not expand, in the future. But in the east of France, there's a group of scientists hoping to speed up the pace of change. Dr. Anthony van der Ent is visiting from the University of Queensland. For the past 15 years, he's been investigating the power of plants to harvest minerals and metals from the soil. And along with scientists from across Europe and Asia, he's been developing a process called agromining. So agromining is the process of growing hyperaccumulated plants on an agricultural scale, in a type of agricultural operation, and not to produce something that you can eat, food crop, uh, but to harvest the metal from their biomass. So hyperaccumulators are a rare group of plants uh, that have the unusual ability to accumulate very high concentrations of particular metals into their living shoots, so into their leaves. We know of about 700 of them that occur all around the world. Uh, most of them are known for nickel, 500 or so of them. Uh, but we know hyperaccumulators for a whole range of different metals, including thallium and zinc, and copper, cobalt, uh, manganese. Uh, but we keep discovering more of these plants wherever we do research. So there's about 350,000 plant species around the world, and we think there are more hyperaccumulators that uh, are waiting discovery. A nickel hyperaccumulator plant takes up the metal present in the soil through its roots. It then stores it in the skin of its leaves or biomass. After the plants are harvested, this biomass is dried and incinerated. The ash created by burning the plants is then ready to be processed to create a bio-ore, from which the nickel can be recovered. Chemical engineering professor Marie-Odile Simonon uses a form of hydrometallurgy to extract the nickel from the bio-ore. So here is the ash, and the ash is very rich in nickel. It contains up to 20% of nickel, that is more than any ore on the earth. Then, nickel is extracted from the ash. The ash is first washed, and then nickel is extracted by an acid at a high temperature. And this solution is filtered to remove the ash and recover the solution containing nickel. 
And finally, we have a precipitation stage in which nickel uh, is precipitated in the form of a nickel salt, for instance. But we could do any kind of nickel compound. It could possibly function for many other metals depending on we have plants able to accumulate the metals and develop the methods to recover the metals from the plants. But the first step is to have the plants. Nearby at Econix Experimental Farm, Professor Guillaume Echevarria and his team grow new varieties of hyperaccumulator plants to be trialled around the world. So here we are in uh, the Econic experimental farm. This is where we prepare uh, seedlings and plants to transplant into contaminated soils. But also this is where we um, try to breed new varieties of hyperaccumulators to grow in Greece and other countries. This is uh, Sedum plumbi zinci cola. So it bears the name of the metals where it was found. This is a zinc and cadmium hyperaccumulator, so we mostly use it to decontaminate contaminated soils. This is Pelargonium capitatum, and this is a lead hyperaccumulator, again to uh, decontaminated polluted soils. Here we have the local zinc and cadmium hyperaccumulator, Nocea carolescens, which is endemic from Western Europe. Guillaume and his team carefully breed and select plants to improve nickel extraction from the soil, with the goal to double the amount of metal a plant can absorb and store. So this plant is the most efficient nickel hyperaccumulator we have in Europe. So leaves can contain up to 4% of nickel, dry weight. That means uh, when we ash them, we can reach 29-30% of nickel in the ashes. That's the record. While incinerating the plants uses energy, the team's tests have found the overall agro-mining process uses significantly less energy than conventional mining procedures. These highly efficient hyperaccumulator plants are also able to grow in soil which is ultramafic, containing high levels of metals that can be naturally occurring through rocks or contamination from human activities, including mining. Traditional strip mining would also take place uh, on land uh, that has the very highest grade of nickel. In contrast, agro-mining can take place on soils that are much lower in nickel, uh, which are very widespread. So for example, in Indonesia, the island of Sulawesi has over 15,000 square kilometers of ultramafic soils. Now perhaps only a small percentage of that is suitable for agro-mining, but that still represents a huge area that could be developed. Now the impact from agro-mining is comparable to normal other types of agriculture. So it has a very low environmental footprint. That contrasts quite strongly to strip mining in that respect. Ultramafic soils usually lack the essential nutrients needed to grow most crops, so they're abandoned by conventional agriculture. One of the more immediate benefits of hyperaccumulated plants is that they can help to clean up contaminated soils, provided their roots can reach the toxins. Installing the hyperaccumulator plants on this kind of material is a kind of a nature-based solution which allows the uh, vegetation and the soil fertility to grow quicker than if you apply conventional methods of soil rehabilitation. 
Agro mining, especially in the case of nickel, takes place in regions that have poor soils because of their lack of fertility. It can really be an opportunity for small farmers to earn a living. Then, of course, it's very interesting to provide both renewable energy opportunities and also the production of a very targeted mineral or even metallurgical industry. We think there's a lot of potential for agro-mining to be undertaken by local communities, particularly in the Philippines and Indonesia, uh, where local communities could grow hyperaccumulator plants much like any other crop uh, on ultramafic soils. Those soils, ultramafic soils, are typically not suitable for normal food crops because they're highly infertile and because the nickel in the soil is toxic. So over the time that the phytomining takes place, which we think is between 20 and 30 years, the soil quality is improved by increasing the fertility and by decreasing the nickel that is in the soil over time. So at the end of the phytomining or agromining process, the soil is actually suitable potentially for normal food crops. There have already been successful commercial trials in Europe for smaller scale farming, but the future of agromining depends on collaboration with commercial mining companies. We don't think that agro-mining can replace traditional mining of nickel entirely. Traditional mining takes place at huge scale, it has very high efficiency of processing enormous quantities of ore, uh, talking kilotons of nickel in a year's time for a single mine. So we see it as a supplementary form of producing nickel with a very low environmental impact alongside the traditional mining uh, that needs to supply nickel at scale. So typically on a mine lease, only a small part of the whole site uh, will be mined. But there's a much larger area that still has nickel in the soil, but which is below the cutoff grade for uh, normal processing. So in that halo around uh, the mining operation, you could also develop uh, agro-mining as a complementary uh, technique alongside the traditional mining. The challenge, of course, is to make an economic business case where the scale at which this could happen is large enough and the product, the bio-ore, valuable enough to make that worth the effort. Their technology does look really cool, really appealing, but they are all at very early stage. They have not reached to mass production level. For example, for nickel, we all know that we are going to need a lot more nickel in the future to be able to achieve the climate goals pledged by automakers, governments, and just like the world in general to build a better future. If those technologies are cool, are really valid and uh, legit, um, they need to really kind of work on mass production. Uh, if they get endorsements from those big automakers and OEMs, then that to me is a big thing. That means they are on the map that will attract more investors. If you're loving this episode, please leave a review and comments down below. It's taken a few years for agro-mining to find its place and to be fully validated. The main challenges has been to uh, essentially get it from a scientific idea, uh, to test it in the lab scale and in the greenhouse, and then to bring it to the field. Many other species still remain untested, even though we think uh, there's a lot of potential, uh, not just for nickel, but also for other elements that can be agro-mined, including cobalt and manganese and zinc and selenium. A lot of that has to do with essentially finding the right species, and then finding funding to set up trials both in the lab and then uh, upgrade that to the field. 
Agro mining is of course one of the different tools we will need in the future uh, besides circular economy, recycling and of course exploiting new uh, resources. So I think in the future uh, it would be great that we can benefit from this knowledge that has been acquired for decades now and uh, really use the potential of these hyperaccumulator crop to really produce the uh, tremendous amounts of strategic metals that we will need for the ecological transition. I think for environmentalists, um, they need to be aware of that. It's a very uh, delicate balancing act for, for miners. On the one hand, they need to produce the products we actually need in the future, and a lot of them. But on the other hand, they also need to be aware of the environmental impact. So governments are very interested in these types of techniques to extract metals and reduce toxicity and reduce the environmental impacts. It very much fits in the circular economy theme of putting materials back into the system and reusing them rather than just generating waste or having to dig up new materials. And I think we'll see much more of it in the years to come.